We're going to talk to you about it, uh, a very exciting opportunity tonight. And so I'm hoping you're planning on being back tonight as we talk about heaven. Uh, but before we get there, I want to talk to you about hearing the voice of God. And so take your Bibles and turn to 1 Kings chapter 19 in your Bibles. And we're going to read uh, a little more scripture than we normally would on a Sunday morning. But I want you to uh, understand the story and I want you to get the context of the story today. Brother Mike sang, part of that song that he sang about was talking about hearing God's voice and sharing uh, the message. And, uh, and I want to talk to you about that subject today. If I had a secondary title, I'd call it this, The Importance of Hearing God's Word. And so 1 Kings chapter 19 in your Bibles, we're going to read a very familiar passage of Scripture. When you find your place, if you'll stand, we'll read 15 verses, but I'll read them quickly, and you can follow right along with us uh, this morning, 1 Kings 19, verse 1, And Ahab <clears throat> told Jezebel all that Elijah had done and with all how he had slain all the prophets with the sword. Then Jezebel sent a messenger unto Elijah, saying, So let the gods do to me, and more also, if I make not thy life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. In other words, uh, you won't be living tomorrow at this time. You won't be alive. I'm gonna. I'm putting a hit list out on you, and uh, we're gonna we're gonna kill you, uh, man of God. We're gonna kill you, Elijah. Verse three. And when he saw that, he arose and went for his life, and came to Beersheba, which belongeth to Judah, and left his servant there. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a juniper tree, and he requested for himself that he might die, and said, It is enough. It is enough now, O Lord, take away my life, for I'm not better than my father's. And as he lay and slept under a juniper tree, behold, then an angel touched him and said unto him, Arise and eat. And he looked. And behold, there was a cake baking on the coals and a cruise of water at his head. And he did eat and drink and laid him down again. And the angel of the Lord came again the second time and touched him and said, Arise and eat, because the journey is too great for thee. And he arose and did eat and drink and went in the strength of the meat of that meat 40 days and 40 nights unto Horeb, the mount of God. And he came thither unto a cave and lodged there. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him and he said unto him, What doest thou here, Elijah? And he said, I've been very jealous for the Lord God of hosts, for the children of Israel have forsaken thy covenant, thrown down thine altars and slain thy prophets with the sword. And I, even I only am left and they seek my life to take it away. And he said, go forth and stand upon the mount before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by and a great and strong wind rent the mountains and break in pieces the rocks before the Lord. I'm interested in this statement, but the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. Hold on, good neighbor. And after the fire, a still small voice. And it was so when Elijah heard it that he wrapped his face in the mantle and went out and stood in the entering into the cave. And behold, then, then there came a voice unto him and said, What doest thou here, Elijah? Second time, by the way. Aren't you glad God speaks to you a second time? Verse 14, Elijah repeats what he just told the Lord. And he said, I've been very jealous for the Lord God of Host, because the children of Israel have forsaken thy covenant, thrown down thine altars, and slain thy prophets with the sword, and I, even I only, am left, and they seek my life to take it away. And the Lord said unto him, 
go. Return on thy way to the wilderness of Damascus, and when thou comest, anoint Hazael to be king over Syria. You may be seated. And I want to talk to you about that subject, hearing the voice of God. Hearing the voice of God. Let's pray today. Father, thank you for the privilege of being here today. Thank you for this good service. Father, I pray we not just have a good day. I pray we'll have a great day. I pray it'll be a memorable day. Lord, as Brother Mike talked about being in that service where the Spirit of God spoke to his heart and and he responded and his life was never the same. Well, Lord, that's a memorable day. And I pray that it would be a memorable day for someone else here today. Lord, that if there may be one in this crowd that doesn't know Christ as personal Savior, I pray today would be the day they'd come to find Christ. Lord, I pray that they'd give their heart life to Jesus. I pray that they would come to him believing in faith, Lord, in what he's done on Calvary's cross, and Lord, that he's risen from the grave. And I pray that they would be saved today. And then, Lord, I want to I want to talk to those who may be a little despondent, a little discouraged. Lord, one thing that we've not lacked in 2020 and 2021 is discouragement. And Lord, it seems like more than ever before, we're seeing people that are discouraged, folks that are fearful, folks that are full of anxiety. Lord, we're not sure what's going to happen tomorrow, but I'm so glad that even though we don't know what's going to happen tomorrow, thank God I know who holds tomorrow. Father, I pray today you'd use this message to encourage us and to strengthen us in our Christian walk. Father, truth of the matter is, if I don't have you right now, this thing's not going to be a success. And so, Spirit of God, I pray that you'd breathe on us, fill us, direct our thoughts, our words, direct the thoughts of our people, give them energy to be able to listen. And I pray that Jesus Christ will receive honor and praise and glory from all that's done. We ask these things in his precious and powerful name. And for his sake we pray. And all God's people said, amen. Elijah, the prophet, the great prophet of God. Well, if you go back and read the preceding chapter, Elijah has just come from a great victory. And, well, you can go from success to seemingly failure in just two chapters. And so in 1 Kings chapter 19, Elijah is on the run. Jezebel, the wicked, wicked wife of a wicked, wicked Israeli king, has placed a murderous threat against the prophet's life. She's put a hit list out on him, and she says, tomorrow you'll be dead. Elijah has made it to the wilderness. He comes to Beersheba, and then he drops his servant off there, and then he goes on ahead, and now Elijah's all by himself. And whenever you're feeling really, really bad and really, really discouraged, that's not necessarily a good time to be by yourself. That's why we we tell our people that if you're having a bad day, come on to church. Even if you don't feel like coming, come on anyway. Because that's a time when you need to be around the people of God is when you're feeling discouragement. But anyway, Elijah is all by himself. And now he's living not in a house, but he's living in a cave. And it's during this time that Elijah becomes very discouraged, very discouraged. In fact, we find here in 1 Kings chapter 19 that the prophet felt like that literally he couldn't even take anymore. 
Look at your scripture today, 1 Kings chapter 19. Look at verse number four. The Bible says, but he, went, but, he, but he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a juniper tree. He's low, friend. He's low. Listen, one of the things that there's not a lot of in Israel is trees. When my wife and I were there, there's a lot of bushes. There's a lot of scrubs, a lot of desert, a lot of sand, not a lot of trees. And so I want you to understand Elijah is low. He's not only low emotionally, he's low physically because he's trying to find shelter under a juniper tree and a juniper tree is not large. So here the man of God is and he's low and the Bible says and he requested for himself that he might die and said, notice this, it's enough. It is enough, oh Lord, take away my life. In other words, Lord, I can't take anymore. That's what he's saying. Lord, I'm done. You can stick a fork in me. I'm done. I can't take any more. I mean, I've, I've did everything that I could do, and I've tried to be faithful, and, and Lord, I just don't think that I can take, take it anymore. Well, I'd never noticed this. I've preached from this scripture many times in 30 years, and I know you've read it many times. But God showed me some things I had never really seen in this way and some things I want to show you today if I could. I want you to notice some initial things that happened in Elijah's life, and they did provide some help. But none of these things gave him total victory. Let me show you a for instance here. How about this? Number one, we noticed that sustenance came. Did y'all see that? Now, he's really discouraged. Look what happens. 1 Kings 19, verse 5. The Bible says, And as he lay and slept under a juniper tree, behold, then an angel touched him and said unto him, Arise and eat. In verse 6, and he looked, <laughs> behold. In other words, I think Elijah was somewhat, he was somewhat surprised. And he looked, and behold, there was a cake baking on the coals and, and a cruise of water in his head. And he, he did eat and drink and laid him down again. Verse 7, and the angel of the Lord came again the second time and touched him and said, Arise and eat, because the journey is too great for thee. Verse 8, and he arose and did eat and drink. Notice this line and went in the strength of that meat 40 days and 40 nights. You know what that tells me? That sustenance came and sustenance helped, but it had its limitations. It helped the man of God, but it wasn't a fix-all. I don't think that, that the sustenance was the great solution that maybe Elijah thought it was going to be. Then you say, preacher, what does that have to do with me? Well, so many, many people today believe this, that if I just had a little bit more, my life would be so much better. If I just had something that I don't have, I mean, if I just had a, if I just had a little bit more money, my life would be so much better if I made more, if I got a raise, if I got a bonus, if, if I got a promotion. I mean, if I just had a, a little bit more money. And by the way, so many people are striving for that, just a little bit more. And by the way, they got that little bit more. Now they want a little bit more. And somebody said, the more you make, the more you spend. And there's, there's quite a bit of truth to that, to that statement. A little, if I just had, if I just had... You know, preacher, if I just had a bigger house, we'd be so much more satisfied. You know, I really think my life would be full if I had a bigger house. 
If there was just a way that we could live on the lake, you know, and, and uh, if, if I could expand two or three more bedrooms and maybe have a larger living room and maybe I could have a, a three-car garage instead of a two-car garage and, and we'd really like to have four bathrooms instead of just three. And, you know, if I could just have a bigger house, I really think that I, I, really think that I would serve the Lord more effectively. Maybe a better job. Maybe a nicer car. If I could just get rid of this Ford and, and get some, no, I'm just picking, I'm just picking. I just want to make sure you were awake, all right? The truth of the matter is, Calvary, that true joy comes not in more sustenance. It comes in serving the Savior. And so if you're here this morning and you've got a three-bedroom home, a four-bedroom home is not going to make you happy. And if you're here this morning and you have a Chevrolet and it's pretty nice or a Ford and it's pretty nice and you say, Pastor, if I could just graduate to a Cadillac or if I could just graduate to a Ferrari, I would be so content, I doubt it. Because it's not sustenance that makes life better. It's not sustenance that makes you serve God more. It's not sustenance that makes you more dedicated. Listen, it's just deciding that if I've got a two-bedroom home or if I've got a mobile home or I have a camper or whatever I have, listen, I'm going to serve God and I'm going to be happy and I'm going to be content. And by the way, we see that. We see that truth modeled over and over again. We have a little missionary family with us today, and we watch these missionaries come in. And some of them were doing well. I mean, some of them had great jobs, and, man, they were making good salaries. And, and then all of a sudden, God spoke to their heart in a good service, and, and they said, you know what? We're going to sell the cars, and we're going to sell the house, and we're moving over to Africa, or uh, we're moving over here to, uh, uh, you know, to the Far East somewhere, and we're going to serve God. And, and by the way, some of those missionaries that have given up pretty much everything they had, everything they held on to, they've given that up and yet they're happy and they're contented and they're fulfilled. Listen to me, church. That's all I'm saying. Stuff is not gonna make you happy. And boy, and I think this is probably, and I know this isn't a Christmas message, but this is a good time to preach this because we're just like, man, if I can get just a few more presents, if I can get just a, a little bit more, listen, don't find your happiness in sustenance. Find your happiness in a Savior. Man, I love that little point. And so we notice here that sustenance came, but then I noticed something else that I think is very significant. Number next is this, we noticed that signs came. And I think this is really important because how many know this, that we're living in the days of signs? Everybody wants a sign. God, show me a sign. Lord, if you'll give me a sign, if you'll give me a sign, I'll do it. If you'll give me a sign, I'll be more dedicated. If you'll give me a sign, I'll start reading my Bible. If you'll give me a sign, I'll join the church. Now look at our scripture, 1 Kings chapter 19 and verse number 11. This is super interesting. <clears throat> verse 11, and he said, the Lord, this is the Lord speaking, and he said, go forth and stand upon the mount <clears throat> before the Lord. Now, let me stop right, right, right quick and say this. The Lord says to Elijah, go forth and stand upon the mount, but we don't find any place where Elijah does that. As far as we know so far, no movement has taken place. So God comes to the man of God and he says, move. And yet, Elijah doesn't move. You say, where's he at, preacher? He's still in the cave. 
Verse 11, and he said, go forth and stand upon the mount before the Lord. And, and behold, the Lord passed by, and a great and strong wind rent the mountains and break in pieces the rocks before the Lord. Wow, what a statement. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. Boy, some signs came. And by the way, very significant signs. Man, we came here yesterday for the Healing Hearts Ministry, and the wind was blowing. It was raining, and the rain was going sideways. It was. We, we, we pulled the bus over here under the awning so everybody could hopefully try to load up dry. Didn't matter. We were still getting soaked. And the wind was blowing. Boy, we saw, if this has ever been applicable, it's applicable today after what's happened in the last few days. Wind is significant. Wind can cause a lot of damage. Some of you folks used to live in, in hurricane-prone areas, and you had to survive through some of those hurricanes. And, boy, it's not, it, it's, it's not something that, that you really want to go through again. Why? Because that wind was fierce. And not only wind, but the Bible says an earthquake came. Wow. And then fire. Well, I can't think of anything that can so change things other than wind and earthquake and fire. But the thing that I want you to see this morning, church, is this, that not one of these signs moved Elijah out of the cave. People say, you know what? If the Lord would just give me a sign, I'd have greater faith. If the Lord would just give me a sign, I would have deeper commitment. If the Lord would just... Preacher, I know, I mean, I know, I know I need to be more faithful. I'm waiting on a sign. And as soon as the Lord shows me a sign, we're going to get more faithful. Well, listen to what a very famous man by the name of Jesus said. In Mark chapter 8, verse number 12, why doth this generation seek after a sign? Verily I say unto you, there shall no sign be given unto this generation. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse number 22 says it like this, for the Jews require a sign and the Greeks seek after wisdom. Now, I'm just paving the way for the message and we got to get, get into the main part here. But church, I want you to see, sustenance came and it helped. So yes, work a job. Be faithful, be there on time. Be the best employee uh, on, the, on the job site. Why? Because you're a child of God, that's why. And so work a job, support your family. There's nothing sinful about making money. There's nothing sinful about driving a nice car. There's nothing sinful about having a nice house. But, but understand something, that it's not sustenance that makes your life more fulfilled, nor is it signs. None of these things brought Elijah out of the cave. But wait a minute. We don't just see sustenance and we don't just see signs. But look at this church we notice that also a sure word came. Look back at your Bibles again. Verse number 12. And after the earthquake of fire, but the Lord's not in the fire, and after the fire a still small voice, and it was so, when Elijah heard it, that he wrapped his face in his mantle. Here it is. Look at the next three words. And what's it say? And went out. And stood in the entering end of the cave, and behold, there came a voice unto him and said, What doest thou here, Elijah? I love this thought. What signs could not do, what sustenance could not do, a sure word could. 
Nothing brought Elijah out of the cave of discouragement until the word of God came. Someone says, Pastor, is it important that I read this book? You better know it's important that you read this book and quit waiting for something supernatural to change your life and to bring you out of discouragement when you have something supernatural right here. And it's the voice of God. Somebody says, Pastor, is it really that important that I come to the house of God and that I hear preaching and teaching? You better know it is. Because, my dear friend, you don't need to stay home and watch something on television or, uh, or listen, you need to come to the house of God where you can be encouraged and you can be edified in the faith. And, my dear friend, where you can hear, like Elijah, where you can hear the voice of Almighty God. Now, I want to show you some things about this voice this morning, if I could. What kind of voice was it that ministered to Elijah? And this was just a blessing to me, and I hope it will be a, a blessing to you. Number one, I noticed it was a calm word. Look at verse 12 again. And after the earthquake of fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, I love this, a still, small voice. Good night. We're going to stop right there and shout a while. Aren't you glad when you mess up, God doesn't come and holler at you? And by the way, he can. We learned that just the other night. You knew the Bible likens the voice of God to a trumpet? You understand that if God wanted to, every time we stumble, every time we get away from God, if God wanted to, God could come and, man, he could rebuke us and he could scream at us. And by the way, if he screamed, he screams like none other. And yet we find here in Elijah's discouraging day. Boy, I don't, I don't know if anybody else is getting this this morning, but man, I'm getting it. I'm getting it full freight today. He comes with a voice that isn't overbearing. In fact, as I read the Word of God, most of the time I found this out when God speaks to His children, He normally does so very calmly and very quietly. Remember in Genesis chapter 3 where the Bible says, and they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. By the way, can I remind you? That's right after they messed up bad. And yet God didn't come screaming and hollering and yelling, but God came with a very calm voice. Now, there's another point to that, and that's this. Because he speaks in a calm voice, we have to be very careful to be sensitive listeners. Or we we may miss his voice altogether. You know that every single day, Christian, it's very important that you and I yield ourselves to the Holy Spirit every single day. Why? So when God comes in that still small voice and speaks to us, we hear him. Some of you folks this morning, you have to wear wear something called a hearing aid. Some of you have to wear two. And you put those, those uh, hearing aids on because without them, you just can't, I mean, you, you just can't hear. And so you put those hearing aids on, and those hearing aids help you to hear the voices of those that you're listening to. Boy, aren't you glad that when we, you and I got saved, that God gave us something called the Holy Ghost? God gave us the spirit of the living God to come and live inside of us. And the Holy Spirit, yes, the Holy Spirit serves as our spiritual, supernatural hearing aid. 
And when nobody else is hearing the voice of God, we're hearing the voice of God. I know sometimes people come to Calvary and they're like, man, what in the world's up with y'all? What is the big deal? You know, don't go down to Calvary. Don't go down to the Holy Roller Church down there. Well, we try to be holy and thank God our name's on the roll. Amen. But, uh, but I'm, I'm just telling you that one of the reasons is because, thank God, we've got some folks at Calvary, I believe, that have some spiritual hearing aids on and God is speaking into their life and they are listening and they are doing what God says and yet we have a world where the Lord is doing his best to speak to them and they're not listening, they're not hearing. Oh, listen, Calvary, this is all I'm saying. It is so imperative that you and I hear the voice of God. It was a calm voice. But oh, hang on. Number two, I noticed it was a correcting word. Look at 1 Kings chapter 19, verse number nine. Watch this very closely now. 1 Kings 19, verse nine. And he came thither unto a cave. Elijah did and lodged there. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him and he said unto him, what doest thou here, Elijah? Skip down to verse number 13. And it was so when Elijah heard it that he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood in the entering end of the cave. And behold, there came a voice unto him and said, what doest thou here, Elijah? Now, I don't know what the voice of God sounded like. I don't know if it was this low, thunderous, I I have no idea, but I, I do know this. He says to Elijah, what are you doing? Elijah, what are you thinking? Elijah, you know this is not where you're supposed to be. Now, church, this isn't deep preaching, and some would call it shallow, and that's okay. But I want to ask you a question. Has the voice of God ever spoken to you like that? Has God ever come to you and said, what are you doing? What are you doing here? Why, listen, (laughs) has the Lord ever come to you and said, why would you say something like that? Did you you just not attend the Sunday school class this morning? And yet, why would you, a Christian, why would you use a word like that? I understand lost people do that, God says, but why would you do that? Does God ever speak to you like that? I'm going to tell you something. If God doesn't speak to you like that, I get real concerned. Man, I remember, and I'm not saying that God's going to speak to you audibly. I'm not saying that at all. But but I'm going to tell you something. If you've got your spiritual hearing aid on and God speaks clearly to you, you'll know it. You'll know it. Man, as I was uh, pondering on that thought there, my mind went back. And some of you older folks remember way down here in Statesville, North Carolina, over on the west end of town, there was a shopping center called Sky City. It's not there anymore. Sky City was there, and, and there was an arcade there at Sky City where a lot of the young people hung out. There's a lot of games there, you know, like electronic games. That's before we had all the hand games and stuff like that, and and uh, 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 some of the kids, maybe some of the kids went over there to play arcade games, but I'm going to be honest with you, a lot of the kids hung out over there for no good reasons. 
and a lot of the kids drank and a lot of kids smoked pot and a lot of the kids lost their purity there. And it was just, it wasn't a good place to be. And I'd remember as a freshman in high school, I'd come to the Lord and I'd, I'd gave my heart to Christ and God saved me. And, and, uh, and it, was, it was after that, just a, a little ways, uh, probably 10th grade, 11th grade. Uh, thank God, God kept me from a lot of that. But I, I, began to, I began to run with the wrong crowd for at least a little bit. And I knew I shouldn't be with them. And now, thank God, somehow, just by the grace of God, God steered me clear of some of the things that they did. And so I didn't do all that they did, but I was with them when they were doing it. And so I'd be there, and they'd be, man, sometimes my friends would be drinking. Sometimes they drink drinking heavily. I'm talking about 16, 17-year-old kids just drinking heavily. I'm talking about drunk, smoking marijuana, looking at things they shouldn't look at, talking like they shouldn't talk. And, and I can remember on a certain Friday night, Friday, maybe, maybe it was a Saturday night, a certain Saturday night, we had went out that night, went over to the mall, went over to Signal Hill Mall, and we were just hanging out. I remember it, it was just a, it was a problematic night. You could tell that Satan was working and, and uh, the crowd that I was with already, there had been several fights that night and, and it was just, it just wasn't a good night. And I remember we loaded up in the car, we drove over to the Sky City uh, Arcade there and uh, my friends, man, they were just in a mess that night. Some of them were drinking so heavily and just cantankerous. And in fact, I can remember to this day, I can remember sitting in my my friend's car on the passenger side and he has he has consumed so much alcohol I can remember him opening the door and vomiting on the parking lot. And although it was not audible, it was clear. As I was sitting in that car, the Spirit of God came to me and he said, what are you doing? What are you doing here? This is not your crowd. And I'm going to tell you something. I heard his voice. And I believe that was the day when things began to turn around in my life and I said, you know what? I'm not going that direction. And by the way, when you start separating from some of that stuff, you won't have to leave your friends, they'll leave you. And as I started taking a stand for Christ, little by little by little, they started leaving me and leaving me and leaving me. But boy, thank God, man, thank God that God spoke to me. When's the last time God spoke to you like that? When's the last time that that voice came and said, what was that about? Why did you act like that? Why didn't you do what I told you to do? Now, you say, preacher, I don't ever hear a voice like that. Then it's one or two things. Number one, it's possible for you to grieve the Spirit of God. Ephesians 4.30 says this, And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. The word grieve there means to distress or offend. Did you know that when God puts His Holy Spirit in you? Hey, kids, y'all listen to preacher this morning. When God puts his Holy Spirit in you, you can disobey and disobey and rebel and rebel and rebel to such an extent where you will grieve the Spirit of God. You'll distress the Spirit of God. And the Spirit of God, who is supposed to have center place in your life, will go way back over here in the corner of your life.
and he'll just stay here. And you'll come to service and the music don't really do anything for you these days. And there was a time when preacher used to preach and man, God, rang your bell and all of a sudden it's just like you come service after service after service and the preaching don't do anything for you. Sunday school class don't move you. Choir can sing one of the greatest songs ever and it just, it don't do anything. Do you know why? Oh, this is good this morning. You know why? Because the Holy Ghost of God, who's very sensitive, has taken a back seat in your life. Well, you know what ought to happen today? We ought to have some folks saying, Lord, preacher's right. Holy Ghost, I've, I've offended you. I knew I shouldn't have done that. I knew I shouldn't have said that. I knew I shouldn't have went there. I knew I shouldn't have done that. I knew I should, I should have obeyed you. Holy Ghost, I offended you. Is there any way that you would come over into the main part of my life again? So if you're not hearing the voice of God, number one, you've probably grieved the Spirit of God. Or number two, you don't have the Holy Spirit living inside of you. And the Bible says that if any man hath not the Spirit of God, He's none of his, the Bible says. God said, if you don't have God's Holy Spirit living inside of you, you're not a child of God. You say, well, preacher, I, uh, I went to this church one time and I signed a card. I went to this church and I went up and, I mean, I didn't do anything, but uh, somebody filled out something and they said that, you know, I was good. I'm going to tell you something, church, there's more to salvation than that. And so we noticed it was a calm word, a correcting word. Quickly, we're going to bring this thing to a close. But I love this. We know it was a compassionate word. Now look back at your Bibles. 1 Kings 19, verse 16. We all look there with me, verse 16. And Jehu, the son of Nimshah, shalt thou anoint to be king over Israel. And Elisha, the son of Shaphat, of Abel and Meholah, shalt thou anoint to be prophet in thy room. And it shall come to pass that him that escapeth the sword of Hazael shall Jehu slay. And him that escapeth the sword of Jehu shall Elisha, Elisha slay. Look at verse 18. And God says to Elijah, Yet I've left me 7,000 in Israel, all the knees which have not bowed unto Baal, and every mouth which hath not kissed him. I love this. You know what God says to the man of God? Helps on the way. Helps on the way. And you're not the only one serving. I told a little couple this week, I said, would it help if I told you that everything's going to work? I said, sometimes it just helps to hear somebody say that. Everything's going to work out. It's going to work out. Did you know that's, what it, that's exactly what God does when, he, when you hear his voice? Everything's going to work out. I know, Lord, but... And God says, everything's going to work out. I know, God, but this is such a mess. God says, I know. Everything's going to work out. And by the way, when he's in control, it's amazing how everything works out. (laughs) You know, I thought about about another prophet. His name was Jeremiah. Jeremiah's preaching the word of the Lord in Judah, and they hate him because of it. They hate the word of the Lord. Man, they've taken a penknife. The the, the king takes a penknife and cuts the word of God up. They take the great prophet Jeremiah and they, they, um, they don't just imprison him, but in Jerusalem they had, they had these old 
used up wells. They didn't draw water from them anymore. They're just full of muck and mire, and they were deep where you couldn't get out, and so they used them for a, a prison cell. And so they take the man of God, and they dump him down into an old well. He's up to his chest in muck. And Jeremiah, in Jeremiah chapter 20, said this, Then I said, I will not make mention of him, nor speak any more in his name. That's it. I'm sick of it. You ever been there? You ever been there where something happened? And you got down in the well and you just thought, that's it. I'm sick of it. I'm not going back to church. I'm not reading my Bible. I'm not praying anymore. I'm not living this so-called Christian life. I'm sick of it. And that's where Jeremiah was. Jeremiah said, that's it. I'm not preaching anymore. I'm not prophesying anymore. I'm done. But the verse didn't stop there. But his word was in mine heart as a burning fire. Shut up in my bones, Jeremiah said, and I was weary with forbearing. I love it. He said, and I could not stay. He said, I had to preach. I had to prophesy. I'm up to my chest in mud, but I've got to preach. Why? Because, hallelujah, the voice of God spoke to him. That's why. That's why it's important. That's why it's important that you and I hear the voice of God. Because there's going to come sometimes like that in our life where we're so discouraged. And what a sign cannot do and what a new car cannot do and what another bedroom cannot do, oh, hallelujah, the voice of God can. And we're done, we're done. We notice a calm word, a correcting word, a compassionate word, but I, I notice this and we're done. I notice a constructive word. Look at verse 15 again. This is just great. And the Lord said unto him, said unto Elijah, go. Now watch this, church. Go, return on thy way to the wilderness of Damascus, and when thou comest, anoint Hazael to be king over Syria, and Jehu the son of Nimshai, shalt thou anoint to be king over Israel, and Elisha the son of Shaphat of Abel Meholah, shalt thou anoint to be prophet in thy room. Isn't that amazing? God's word explained to Elijah exactly what to do step by step I know you've been in the valley, Elijah. I know you've been discouraged. All right, listen to the voice of the Lord. Here's what you need to do. Step one, step two. When you get down with step two, go to step three. When you get down with step three, go to step four. And so is the word of God today. It tells us exactly how to live. Somebody says, Pastor, what's your opinion on this new marriage controversy? There's no controversy with marriage. No, no, I mean, you know, I'm talking about the, you know, the same sex, you know, and, you know, male, female, male, male. You know, what, what, what's, what's your input on this controversy? No controversy. There's never been any controversy. You say, well, what do you mean? As long as you hear the voice of God, you know exactly what we're supposed to do. God tells us exactly what to do. No controversy on rearing children or church attendance or personal evangelism or, or whatever the case may be. Why? Because if you've, got a, if you've got a word today, 
the voice of God tells us exactly, exactly what to do. Now, you can close your Bibles. We're done. So I want to ask you a question. Are you hearing the voice of God? I read a real sad story this week. And I don't want you to turn there right now because we're, we're finished, but you'll find the story in 1 Samuel chapter 28. And the Bible says there was a man by the name of King Saul. And King Saul went to the Lord and said, Lord, I need your direction. And listen to what the Bible says. And when Saul inquired of the Lord, the Lord answered him not. Answered him not. You know, church, I never want to get to that place where God's voice doesn't speak to me. I need the voice of God. This church needs the voice of God. You need the voice of God. Your marriage needs the voice of God. Your family needs the voice of God. Your home, your job, your attitude needs the voice of the Lord. Would you bow your heads with me all over the house this morning? I want to ask a question or two. Are you hearing the voice of God? Do you have that spiritual, that spiritual hearing aid on? And when the when God speaks, the Spirit of God helps you to He helps you to discern and hear the words of the Lord. Okay, can I ask it like this? Maybe there's someone here today, and for a while God has been speaking. But so far, you've not come out of the cave. Well, preacher, I was waiting on a sign. I was waiting on sustenance. And I just wonder today, maybe, just maybe, if someone needs to tiptoe down to this old-fashioned altar and say, oh, God, speak. God, speak to me. Show me what to do. Lord, help my life, my attitude, help my marriage, help my family, help my witness. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. How many are here today? How many here today would say, Pastor, if I died today, I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that I'm on my way to heaven. I've been born again, and I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that I'm saved and going to heaven when I die. Without anybody looking, would you just slip your hand up right now if that's you? Preacher, if I died, I'm sure I'm saved. Praise God. Isn't that wonderful? You can lower your hands. I know that's a blessing to you. Can I ask you this question, though? And it's not so I can embarrass you or so I can point you out or anything like that. I don't do that. But I'll tell you what I do. I would like to pray for you. And I wonder if there might be one here today, anywhere, front, back, side, middle, young or old, and you'd say, Preacher, I could not raise my hand. I'm going to be honest. If I died today, I'm not 100% sure that I would go to heaven. Now, Brother Pope, I want to tell you something. I'm 100% sure I want to go. But I'm just not sure I would. And I'm sort of concerned. And I, I, I want you to pray for me. And right now, you just slip your hand up in the quietness of the moment. You just slip it up and let me pray for you. Would you raise it right now, Pastor? 
If I died, I'm not sure about salvation. I'm not sure about heaven. Would you pray for me? I see that hand. Is there another? Preacher, if I died, I'm not sure. I'm sure I want to go, but I'm just not sure about heaven. Would you, would you pray for me? Would you mind praying for me? Just raise it up because, listen, it's easy to miss somebody in this crowd. Would you just raise it up and sort of wave it at me? Is there another? Is there another? Hey, church, are you hearing God's voice? Does He speak often? Do you hear it clearly? So if God spoke to your heart about anything at all today, I'm going to ask you to make a move for the Lord. Would you stand with us all over, all over the house this morning? Father, I don't know what all you've done, but I know one thing. I know you've spoke to my heart. God, while I was preaching, the Spirit of God was doing something inside of me. I'm so thankful for the voice of God. I'm so thankful for the Bible, so thankful for the Word of God. Lord, I can't go two or three days without it. i got to have it. And Father, I pray that as we get ready to embark into a brand new year, 2022, and I believe the coming of the Lord is close. Father, I pray that you'll help us to be very sensitive to hear the voice of God. Father, bless in this invitation. Speak to every heart. And I pray that you'd help us today. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Our heads are bowed. Our eyes are closed. Our uh, personal workers are already making their way to the front. And if you're here this morning and there's a need, any need at all, if it's salvation, we want you to come. If it's not salvation, we want you to come. And we want to pray with you and believe God with you today. Would you come? Folks are coming. Would you come? Would you come? Are you hearing God's voice? Would you come? That's right. Folks are moving. Would you come today? You know, nobody's looking. Maybe there's someone here today and you say, Pastor, uh, I am saved. There's no doubt about that, but I'm afraid maybe the Spirit of God has sort of moved into the back room of my life. Oh, I need Him back. I need Him back in the center. Would you come today? Would you come? Pastor, I've been saved, but I've never followed in believer's baptism yet. Why don't you come and make yourself a candidate for baptism? Preacher, we're not the member of a good Bible-believing, Bible-preaching congregation. God's been dealing with us about joining. Why don't you come? Pastor, I am saved, but man, I need to rededicate my life to Christ. Boy, that was a good time to do that. Why don't you come today and just make it fresh? Get a new start. Go forward, ever forward, never backward. Would you come while we wait? Would you come? With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, if you're watching our live stream today, we're honored to have you aboard. There's a number on the bottom of your screen. 704-327-5662. We have a good family that's waiting right beside the phone right now. They're waiting to take your call. If you're watching this broadcast and you don't know Christ as personal Savior, would you call that number right now? And We would love to share the gospel with you. 
If you're watching this broadcast and you say, Brother Pope, I've got uh, a burden. I'm in, the, I'm in the cave like Elijah was. and I don't think I can make it another day. Would you call that number right now? Call that number. We have some wonderful people that are waiting to pray with you over the phone. Would you call? Father, I thank you for what you're doing. God, I pray that you'll continue to minister. I'm so glad I get to be a part of a church like this. Lord, I'm so glad that I can feel the Spirit of God working and that I can hear the voice of God. I, Lord, here again, I don't know all of what you've done today, but I really believe in my heart of hearts. Lord, while the service was going on, the Spirit of God was really doing some ministry. So, Father, help us to make that decision that needs to be made. Sweet Holy Spirit, breathe upon us. Meet with us now, I pray. If you're here this morning and you say, Pastor, I am not saved. I am not saved. Would you slip out right now? We've got some folks up here that have a Bible. And they would like to take the Bible and show you how you can know that you know that you know that you're going to heaven when you die. Would you come? We're going to pause just for another minute. Would you come? If you raised your hand this morning, would you step out right now? Come. this way the invitation is still going on if you need to come listen the altar is wide open you come I loved it when brother Mike stood up here this morning and kissed his Bible <laughs> you ever do that man does the voice ever get so dear to you that you sometimes well this has happened to me a few times I just have to I just have to hug it man sometimes it just gets so sweet man you just want to kiss it I'm thankful for the voice of God. We're going to sing this little chorus that says, All to Jesus I surrender, all to Him I freely give. You need to come. Altars are open. Let's sing it. Ready? Here we go. All to Jesus I surrender, all to Him I freely give. I will and trust Him in His presence daily live. I surrender all. I surrender all. All to Thee, my blessed Savior. Can we do it once more? Meet it with all your heart. Sing it ready. All to Jesus I surrender. All to Him I freely. Is that true? 
I will ever love and trust Him in His presence daily live. I surrender all. Sing it, church. I surrender all, all to Thee, my blessed Savior, I surrender all. Thank you, Brother Abel. God bless you. Well, it's been good to be in the Lord's house. Amen? Amen. Hey, listen, I want you to find the Simmons family after the service tonight, and we'll talk to the Simmons about possibly coming back later on and, and giving them an opportunity to uh, actually present, and but find them after the service and shake their hands and uh, be a blessing to them and help them down the road a little ways, and I know that they would, they would appreciate that and encourage them, and we're so glad to have the Simmons with us today, and all of our mission, uh, all of our uh, visitors, thank you for being in the Lord's house today. Hey, listen, Lord willing, we'll be back here tonight, 6 o'clock. Don't forget prior practice. And uh, then 6 o'clock tonight, we'll be back in our series on heaven as we talk about the passage, the passage. And I hope that uh, you'll be in your places. And then there's even a possibility we're going to talk to the church about something pretty exciting tonight. And so, uh, anyway, come on back. Bring somebody with you, and we'll look forward to what the Lord is going to do. Brother Mike, come on up if you want. I want you to dismiss us in a word of prayer. And again, we hope you have a wonderful afternoon, and we look forward to seeing you in the Lord's house tonight. Father, we love you. We need you every minute of every day. Lord God, I pray you'd go with us now as we go to our homes. And Father, uh, thank you for the refreshing truth that you told us today, Father. Help us to be sensitive to your voice. Father, as we go about our daily lives and come in contact with those who need you, Father, help us to hear what the Spirit says to us. And Father, help us to respond in such a way that they would be drawn to our, to our Savior and, Father, have the opportunity to be saved. Have your will in all that's said and done in our lives. Bring us back again tonight serve you more. We ask in Jesus' precious name and for his sake. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. We consider it an honor to serve you. And our prayer is that the service was a blessing and an encouragement to your life. If you were impacted today by the preaching of God's word, we encourage you to respond. If we can pray with you, or if you would like to make a decision today for Christ, please call us here at 704-327-5662. We have people waiting right now on the lines prepared to help you. Again, thank you for joining us today, and we hope to welcome you again soon. Have a wonderful week.